Well, good morning. Welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. We're so happy that you can join us, whether uh, here in person or virtually. Uh, it's, it's good to gather together uh, to worship God again this day. So a few, a few announcements for us all. Um, this summer, we're going to be starting a discussion group uh, at 7.30 on Wednesdays. Uh, the first date for that through the summer will be June 16th. Uh, the discussion is going to be uh, reflecting on the means of grace, and in particular, how do we grow in those uh, means of grace and prayer, God's word, the sacraments, especially in our day and age, or in our time. Um, so Addo and Brian and Chad will be leading us in that discussion. Uh, also, if you're looking for ways to serve and um, as we kind of come back together this summer, uh, the greeters need some help. So if you're interested in greeting, uh, reach out to Josh Kuntz or the pastors, and we'll get you connected with that. We're also happy uh, to welcome Ted Powers, uh, who is uh, the director um, of missions uh, at uh, Hinsdale uh, Presbyterian, and um, uh, he also is in charge of uh, the Haiti mission, so he's going to give us an update on that ministry as well. So we're excited to have Ted here with us today. And then lastly, uh, children are welcome to uh, leave as we prepare for worship to head to your classes. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Channel two. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, our call to worship is from Psalm 69. Uh, I would invite you to stand and uh, also sing along with us. Don't let the flood sweep over me, deliver me, oh God, deliver me, oh God. Don't let the flood sweep over me, deliver me, oh God, deliver Save me, O God, from the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the deep mire, where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes go dim with waiting for my God. Don't let the flood sweep over me. sweep over me, deliver me, oh God, deliver me, oh God. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love. Answer me in your saving faithfulness. Deliver me from the sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me, or the deep swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. 
Don't let the flood sweep over me. Deliver me, oh God. Deliver me, oh God. Don't let the flood sweep over me. of sorrow shall not overflow, for I will be with thee, thy troubles to pass, and sanctify to be thy deepest distress. You may be seated. Let us pray. Almighty and holy God, our gracious and heavenly Father, you are the source of all truth, meaning, and purpose in our world and our lives. Your word is honest, upright, and never failing. You do not speak with double meaning and hidden agendas, but speak clearly to us. Merciful God, we acknowledge here, gathered together, that often with our mouths we speak about your promises and goodness, yet our hearts are far from you. We often praise and bless your name in one moment and quickly speak words of hatred and bitterness towards each other and our neighbors in the next. We prefer to be heard by others rather than to listen with humble hearts. Teach us today to value our words and speak with kindness, boldness, and humility, and to speak towards each other out of love rather than fear. Lord God, you who are unchanging and steadfast, we ask for your grace, peace, and strength for all of our families, children, parents, and teachers who are wrapping up another year of school. Lord, we give you thanks for preserving them through this very troubling and tumultuous time, a time that was described with online learning, canceled activities, social isolation from our friends. We especially ask for your blessing and grace upon those who are graduating or those who are transitioning into different new schools. Remind us that you are present with us and go before us wherever we find ourselves. And Lord God, we do lift up Darla Carlson and her daughter Erica. Lord, we thank you and give you praise for the success of the surgery that Erica and her unborn child had on the child's spine. Lord, we continue to pray for the recovery of both the unborn child and Erica. We pray that you would preserve uh, this child through the pregnancy and that you would give Erica strength. Lord, we pray for her husband, Derek, who is with her side during this recovery. And Lord, we ask for a special strength for Darla as she cares for their daughter, Penny, through this difficult time. We ask that your spirit meet us here as we worship. Fill us by your spirit and give us delight and joy in your presence. Give us a desire to draw closer to you and to seek the good of our neighbor. May we seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before you. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we continue to worship, 
God invites us, he graciously invites us to come before him with our burdens, our troubles, our doubts, and those places in our lives that we often want to hide from others. He graciously receives us and wants us to bring these things before him. So we'll do this both uh, publicly and then privately. Heavenly Father, you teach us the way of wisdom and you lead us in the paths of righteousness but we are often afraid when we cannot see where you are leading us. And so we choose our own paths and turn away from your instructions. Gracious Lord, forgive us for doubting you and help us hold fast to your words. Give us wisdom and insight that we may follow you and trust you even when we do not understand the world around us. Please sing with us. Come, ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love, and Then our conscience make you linger Nor of fitness fondly dream All the fitness he requires Is to feel your need of you to take a moment of private confession. Lord God, Heavenly Father, although our words are filled with hatred and bitterness, although we are worn down and burdened by our guilt and we hide in our shame, you, by the blood of Jesus Christ, have brought us freedom 
and life and forgiveness in you. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand with me? And we will recite these words of assurance together that come from Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her welfare is ended and that her iniquity is pardoned. Amen. You may be seated. The Old Testament lesson is from Proverbs 6, verses 12 through 19. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger. With perverted heart, devises evil, continually sowing discord. Therefore, calamity will come upon him suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. The Gospel lesson is from Matthew 6, verses 7 through 13. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. For a number of weeks now, we have been working our way through the letter of James. And in our passage uh, this morning, James, he brings us back to one of his key themes in his letter, the dangerous power of the human tongue. So let's turn together to James 3, verses, in verses 1 through uh, 12. Let me read our text here. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, for you know that that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to bridle their whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. We look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. 
It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring forth? Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is God's word. It's given for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, this word that we have just read together, uh, we ask that you would teach us its truth, that you would meet us in the places we are, and this word, it would point us to the word who bears our flesh. Change us by his grace, we pray. Amen. Well, by the way, James starts off with a warning. He says, not many, not many of you should become teachers, for you know that, that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. All right, that concludes the sermon for the day. <laughs> I mean, these are, are weighty words to hold. Certainly for me, for those of us who are teachers, who use words to instruct and lead and influence We need to hear that our words hold tremendous power. May God takes words very, very seriously. I mean, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 12. He says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. (laughs) I mean, Jesus isn't messing around, right? Every careless word. I mean, why? Why such a warning? Why why draw so much attention to our words? Well, Proverbs 18, 21, it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I think James, he wants us to hear. He is saying that our words, they hold great power, great ability, that the power to bring life and the power to usher in death. Right, even in Genesis 1, God spoke and there was light, right? And in the garden, the serpent comes to Eve and he uses subtle and shifty words to sow doubt and confusion and distrust with the question, did God really say? I mean, words, words have the ability to bring life and destruction. So James, he uses three metaphors to, dis- to demonstrate the impact, the, the power of words. Right? He says a little bit in the mouth of the horse turns the whole horse. A little rudder, it turns the huge ship. A little spark can, can start a fire and destroy an entire forest. And all of these metaphors, they speak to the power of, of your speech, the influence of your words. Our, our words are much more powerful than we give them credit for. And, and why is that? Why? Because how could something so small, so ordinary, perhaps so juvenile, how could something like that be so impactful, so profoundly influential on the human heart? Well, friends, it's, it's in our DNA. It's how we have been hardwired by God to be in relationship, to be connected, to communicate, and have a a God-given tool to lift up, to, to strengthen, to bless, or to curse in those relationships. And our words have been given such power to penetrate the internal world of the human heart. It's an awesome gift, and that holds great responsibility. So this blessing and cursing, this this power of our words to bring life and death, it comes to us as individuals, right? For instance, what, what happens, what happens inside of you when a spouse, a friend, a parent offer comments about how you look, how you parent, how you are managing all of the activities in your life, how behaved and put together you seem? how successful you are, or even how much your feelings are welcome and, and received. And as a, as a parent, I know, I know how powerful my words can be 
to alter my child's emotional state, right? Certainly to bring calm, to bring assurance, but I also know the tone that it takes to send away, to curse the young and needy and unreasonable heart that my son can spring upon me. I know how the words, you need to calm down and stop whining. I know how those words can land upon his young and impressionable heart. You are too needy. And if you don't turn down your big emotions, you will be all alone. And what heart, what young heart would ever choose that, to be left alone? And the curse that springs into, that destroys, that tears down, that, that ultimately he sides with, is that all of his young and big emotions, they need to grow up or turn off. And what, what are the curses, the harsh and contemptuous words that have landed in you? Are there phrases that ring in your head that, that maybe have been around for as long as you can remember that, that influence how you relate to other people? Perhaps when you are feeling overwhelmed or exhausted, has someone told you to suck it up, be strong? Maybe, even, uh, maybe you even you tell yourself those words. Perhaps... The cursing is more subtle. It seems insidious. Maybe it was known in your family that your parents only wanted to have two kids, and then you came along. Perhaps your body wasn't off limits to the teasing of a friend, and rather than invite more humiliation, you became quite good at making fun of yourself. You became quite good to making fun of yourself to try and keep the cursing away. Perhaps you heard how much you need to, to chill out and relax when you have been so vigilant to keep things together from things falling apart in your home or, or your workplace. And the vicious reality is that words of cursing, words meant to squash or send away or deny the thing that you are experiencing, we begin to align with those words tell ourselves it's not really that bad, right? And, and, and it's in places like this where the, words, where the words offered have made an agreement with death, with evil, with the accuser's voice. But maybe, just maybe, if we are honest, we can begin to acknowledge that our hearts, even our bodies, won't let us off the hook, right? Uh, because it knows that everything is not okay. Friends, hearts that are bound up with cursing, that have had their hope crushed by its craftiness, they are imprisoned and need to be set free, to be resurrected, to find their joy again, to find their faith, to find the courage to face a broken world and not let it consume them. In hearts like this, they need to be rescued from the power of cursing, from deception, from the accusation in them. Words can destroy, they can bring death. But words can bring life, bring goodness, bring blessing. I mean, have you ever had a teacher uh, who brought goodness and life to you with words? A person who uh, lifted up someone who saw the giftedness and the beauty that you bring into this world and, and used those words to bring you out into the open. <laughs> Perhaps someone thought how hard you, how hard up you had it. Things weren't going well for you in your home or at work, and perhaps the curses, they started to come at you, that you were failing or unwanted or in the way. You were hard up, but someone saw, and instead of contempt, there was kindness to bless your resiliency, to bless the ways that you had persevered, to bless the ways that you wanted things to be better in your relationship, even even if that was disruptive. <laughs> and the strange thing about this kind of blessing and words, blessing for, for people's good, is that it is, it is sturdy and secure enough to hold the deep complexity that we are both a sinner and a saint. 
It allows for a profound honesty and a truth to be held and seen, but, but to hold it with kindness and, and gentleness and in a way that builds up and brings life. And this kind of blessing, it is, is active and, and engaged. It's not passive or, or removed from people in the broken world we're living in. And this matters, right? It matters because some of us, many of us, we are, we are careful with our words. On the outside, we may not offer hardly any cursing. And so we can be safe, safe to people around us, safe to our communities. But the hard part is that sometimes in carefulness, we miss bringing words of blessing to bear in the lives of the people around us. We show up removed, detached, yes, from cursing, but also from blessing. And the strange truth about this is that our silence, our absence, when when words are so needed to build up and to bring light, our silence, it leaves others vulnerable and unprotected to the cursing in this world that wants to sink into the heart. Cursing is active and relentless. (laughs) And friends, blessing is so needed to meet that cursing. Don't just take my words for it. (laughs) Jesus knows all about this and is out in front leading us into it. In Mark 5, it says that uh, there was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. Her condition left her legitimately unclean under the law. She was unable to, to worship at the temple, unable to go to the market, completely beholden to the kindness of others, and desperate for things to be well for her again. And Mark tells us that she, she heard the reports about Jesus, and she comes sneaking into the crowd because she believes that if, if she could just touch him, she will be clean again. And of course, desperately, courageously, and in faith, she finds him, and she touches him and is healed. But the other beautiful moment in this story is that Jesus stops and he calls her out into the open. And she comes falling down before him with fear and trembling, seemingly awaiting the cursing about to come her way. Jesus' words are far from that, right? He says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. She is healed physically, but she is made whole in his blessing. Those words are short and they're powerful. She She is his daughter. He loves her and he wants the world that has rejected her to know that she has not only been healed, but she has been made new. Friends, Jesus' power alone, right? His power alone can 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 heal her wounds, but our words, when they are filled up with gospel life, resurrection life, can change a heart from being an orphan to a daughter, from being an outsider alone and desperate to being brought close and connected and lifted up. I mean, this is the blessing of the gospel that we are invited with words to bring into this world to human hearts that are bound up with cursing. So words that bless and words that curse, they come to individuals, but but they can come to communities. Increasingly, we live, we live in a world filled up with outward and malicious cursing. Right, our, our political leaders regularly wor- use words of slander to insult, to attack, dismiss people who are different than them. It's not lost on any of us that certain words or curses have been used in our country's history to dehumanize people of color, have been used in our country's history to, to demean those who are poor, to dehumanize refugees, to dismiss or, or diminish those who grew up poor, urban, or in, whether that's in urban or rural places, cursing people with names that sound different than our names. And maybe we too have joined in that cursing. 
And the strange thing about this, the, thing, the things that can bring people together, things like the sharing the same faith, right? The same Lord Jesus, sharing the same neighborhood or similar interests, right? These, those things shared do not push back. They do not push back the cursing that is inescapable for all of us. It's like James says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. I mean, this most certainly should not be so. And it's things like this, curses that persist through generations, that, that, that persist across cultures and families, that persist among friends and even in our churches. It's this brokenness, those words of death that, that call us back to those original words that convinced a human heart that we can be like God, right? And instead of gaining knowledge and life, all we got was the awareness of our guilt and shame and death. But the good news for us is that the word of God that spoke life into existence, that took on flesh, that came into this world. Jesus lived in this world. He passed through the wilderness of cursing he knows the accuser's voice, and he leads us out of that darkness because he dropped further into death, into all the devastation and darkness that have come to all of us because we have eaten the fruit, right? We have tasted the bitterness and rejection and utter hopelessness to make things right with God and, and with others. Jesus becomes our cursing, takes on our sin so that we can be redeemed, rescued out of tyranny and cursing. And if our hearts are like forest, burned down with words, black, full of ash, <laughs> Jesus makes us, these burned up stumps, rise from the ashes to bear life in this world, free from the fire, free from the tyranny of death. He makes us new again to bear a harvest of blessing. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the ways that James highlights the power of our words. And God, we pray that you would help us to see our own words, the, the ways that we have cursed others, our families, our friends, those around us. Lead us, Lord, into repentance. And yet, God, may we receive the blessing of the gospel that, that only in Christ can we find rescue from our sin. May we, God, uh, be, because of this blessing that we have received, be a blessing to the people around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand with us and we'll sing together. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence, my love. Thou and always, thou and thou only first in my heart, my King of heaven, my treasure, thou Son, heart of my own heart, whatever be far, still be my vision, a ruler of all. Maybe seated.
Monica, one of the members of the missions team here. Today we have the privilege of hearing from Ted Powers. Um, as most of you know, we have a partnership with ESMI, which is a ministry in Haiti, along with other churches in the Presbytery. A couple years ago, um, Chicago Friends of Haiti was formed as a way to minister some of the support for that ministry. And Ted's the president of that, and he's going to share a little bit of an update about the Cavillon Orphanage and a new church plant that's starting. Go ahead, Ted. Thank you, Monica. And I do want to thank all of you for uh, your participation in this ministry uh, to Haiti with um, most of the other churches in our presbytery as well. Uh, the care for particularly for the kids at the Cavion Orphanage that our presbytery uh, sponsors. And particularly the this what we call the Cavion Church Replant Project that you have just recently embraced. Um, let me just give you a little bit of background on this so you can understand what is really happening right now with this project. We've been involved in Haiti now uh, as a presbytery in various ways for about 13 or 14 years. Uh, we've been involved in training pastors and planting churches. Uh, we're doing lots of medical care at orphanages and in communities. Uh, we've helped dig wells and install water purification systems, helped uh, create micro and macro businesses, things of that nature over the course of time. About eight years ago, we were asked to uh, take on uh, one of the orphanages, which was the one at Cavillon, uh, which is in the southern peninsula of, the, of, of Haiti. Uh, we were asked to take that on. No one of the orphanages at that time were being sponsored, but we were asked to take that on because it was by far the most needy, uh, most difficult of the orphanages. The, the, the facilities were in bad shape. The children were in really bad shape with malnutrition, worms, scabies, uh, lots of different uh, issues. And so we did. We embraced that. We raised funds. We have been sponsoring those kids, uh, praying for them, going down uh, twice a year pre-COVID uh, to be involved in the ministry with them. Um, but then in 2016, some of you might remember, Hurricane Matthew came through and just devastated that portion of, uh, of Haiti. And with that, the Cavion um, compound uh, there. Lots of people in the community were, were killed at that time. We went in right after the, uh, the hurricane, did lots of different kinds of medical care uh, at that time. But the children were all displaced for about a year and a half. They were housed uh, in another compound, in a school actually, where we just kind of lined them up in rows uh, in, a, in a classroom, and that's where they slept uh, and, and were taken care of for a year and a half uh, that way. But we were able to get the compound uh, not only back in order, but better than before, and a um, kitchen and dining hall and other buildings that were hurricane-proof and earthquake-proof, things like that. And then the kids were brought back in uh, 2018, and we've been able to be down there a couple of times. But one thing that happened, though, is the church was also in disarray uh, in terms of the facility uh, that was there, and there was no pastor. Uh, the pastor who had been there was also director of the compound uh, because of the flooding and the devastation. He had left and, not, and, and, and did not come back, was not really in a physical position to be able to do so. And so for the last several years, there was, the church was almost dormant. And on our last couple of trips there, we really noticed a change in the kids, the house moms, and staff at this orphanage. It was a hardening uh, you could see it in their re responses to us, in their facial expressions, and that. And it was just so obvious to me that there, despite the fact that because of what we were doing, they were getting medical care, some education, they were getting fed, and this sort of thing. But there was a real spiritual problem developing in the in the hearts and lives of these these kids. And so we approached Donnie Saint Germain, who's the the founder and head of ESMI, and said we would like to basically replant the church at Cavion. And we will commit ourselves to raising funds for the next five years so that you can bring in a quality pastor, we can 
just fix up this building and make it, make it functional and attractive. We can get some sound and music equipment in here. Uh, we can start doing an annual youth conference because the kids are starting to get older, uh, that kind of thing. And so we did. And this, the fi financially, this was launched this past January. Uh, the new pastor there, his name is Serge Arell. Uh, he is just a wonderful guy. I was in Haiti two weeks ago, got a chance to meet him uh, along with others. They had the first annual national convention uh, of all the churches that have been planted. And it is so encouraging to see what's going on and the, the resources that are being used by this presbytery to relaunch this church. Uh, it's already at capacity. Uh, they have seen multiple uh, conversions over the course of the, just the last several months. Uh, there's just a, a, what I hear from uh, others and from Surge and all, there's just a vibrancy now and a joy. We are so eager to get back there the last week of July with the team that we're taking to see firsthand what is going on. Uh, I asked Donnie, what, what's the, one of the main things we can do to help? He said, well, actually, they don't have enough seating capacity. People have to stand. And as Laura will tell you, it's, the worship services go on quite a while. Uh, in, in it's a, quite the event. So you need places to be able to sit and stand and this sort of thing. So we just allocated $1,300 uh, to build 20 more benches, which will seat 200 more Haitians uh, in, in this church. Our ultimate goal is to see this compound continue to develop, to develop a farm uh, for them, larger areas for the kids to play in, to plant some additional churches in the Cavion uh, Valley area. Uh, this is the only church in a region that has been dominated by voodoo for hundreds of years. It's the only church, you put a dot there at Cavion, go at least 20 miles out, and there's, this is it. There's no other. As a matter of fact, just one last thing I'll mention with you, to you about that. When this church was started and the compound established, uh, the voodoo witch doctors took great concern and offense at that, and they literally set up 10 stations within a mile radius of Cavion, all the way around. And they began to threaten the villagers uh, that if they attended this church, the curses would be brought down upon them, violence would be done. They threw rocks and got crowds of people to throw rocks at people who are coming to the churches, uh, to the church uh, services, that kind of thing. And they just did a lot of incantations and uh, rituals against the church. When the hurricane came through, they considered that a victory. They felt that uh, the powers of darkness had won out and the church has been driven out. The fact that this replant is happening, there's more of a backstory in that cultural context than I think we realize. Because now that the church is there, it's thriving, people are coming to Christ, that says volumes to that region. It sends the signal that the power of Jesus is greater than all the powers of darkness that have dominated that land. As a result, uh, the reports are that most of the witch doctors have abandoned those outposts. Uh, basically given up uh, and said that basically you win uh, kind of thing. So we are really encouraged by what God uh, is doing there. And uh, I'd like to close by reading a text that we have embraced as uh, one of many, actually, that uh, are reflective of what we're trying to do. It's in 1 John chapter 3, verses 16, 17, and 18. John says this, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Well, God has given us through circumstances, through our connections with Donnie St. Germain, all that, to see the need that's here. It has been so encouraging to see the response of God's people to care for these kids and to continue planting new churches, training pastors, medical care, uh, everything else. And I just want to encourage you to continue in this work, praying for this uh, orphanage. If you're open to it, sponsoring kids, contributing to them, going on one of our trips. Uh, one of these times. Last week of July or last week of February is typically uh, when we go and see firsthand. Go and be a mom or a dad to those that don't have a mom or a dad. 
Uh, go down and be a brother or sister to those who have really don't know the context uh, of family. There's a lot more going on. I'd be happy to hang around and share with you a little bit more. But that gives you a snapshot uh, of what's going on and the, how the, the recent commitment you have made fits into the big picture of our ministry in Haiti. So thank you all very, very much. So, Monica. Let me uh, pray for you and the, for Haiti and for the, the work of ESMI. And, yeah. uh, Father, we're, we, uh, we are so thankful that we can be a part of the work, the part of the work that you're doing in Haiti. Uh, even as I was just struck, Lord, by the, uh, just the journey, the journey through uh, the creation of the orphanage and the ministry and the church, um, but all of the hardship all of the things that have been brought to bear upon the lives there, uh, the spiritual battles, the, even just the, uh, uh, the natural uh, devastations that have occurred. Lord, uh, in the midst of all of that, I hear all of the, just the hope and the life that you're bringing and emerging. And Lord, we just pray that you continue to bless that and th that it would grow and, and use people like Ted and Donnie and Serge, Pastor Serge, uh, in the, the life and the work to, uh, to lead well, to, um, to, be, uh, to be your presence, to be good shepherds in the midst of this time. Thank you for that we get to be part of this good work and help us, even those of us who maybe even are considering being a part in, in, in uh, giving of our resources to this, this good work. Uh, we ask for that, those just real and uh, physical, spiritual needs God, that you would meet those and meet them abundantly. We ask, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Dad. Well, as, uh, in response to God's word and even into the, the things that God is doing around the world, let's stand and, and uh, share and confess our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Receive now God's blessing. May the love of God the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. Thank you.